Right, so um, hello and a very warm welcome to the brand new Tune Under podcast. Um, this is a, a new podcast from um, some Newcastle fans in Australia, some of us um, from the UK, some of us who are in Australia. We're really excited to get up and running. We're going to be doing it probably bi-monthly, we'll be, uh, bi-weekly, sorry, we'll be doing two, uh, two shows a week. And then we'll be doing specials every now and then. And um, we've got the um, watch along, uh, which the first one was very successful the other day. Um, and there'll be a couple of other special pods um, at times when things happen, which with Newcastle is pretty regular. Um, so you might be um, seeing and hearing from us a bit more often than twice a week. Um, so my name's Jack. Um, you can tell from my accent that I'm not Australian. Um, I'm from um, a little town called Prudhoe of about 10,000 people, uh, which is about 15 to 20 kilometers outside of Newcastle. Um, I moved to Australia in 2018, moved to Brisbane um, and settled in pretty well here. Um, my um, time support in Newcastle goes back to the mid 90s when Keegan was first here. It really took off probably when uh, Sir Bobby was there in the early 2000s. Um, I went, I had season tickets. I went to quite a few away games, including a few in Europe. Um, so that's my that's a bit about my background. I'll be hosting this one today um, and probably a few more moving forward. Um, so with me, I've got Craig. Hi, Craig. Hello. We've got Bobby. Hi, Bobby. Hey, how you doing? Um, and we've got Dimitri. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Craig to introduce himself in a little bit of detail, um, but I'm not gonna ask um, Bobby and Dimitri to do that because we've got a bit of a special show coming up later this week uh, where we're gonna get a, a bit deeper into um, the Australian boys and how they've ended up supporting the Cursed Club. Um, so Craig, um, I did say that we um, it was a warm welcome earlier on, but you're in Cairns, so it's probably a bit of, more of like a hot and humid kind of welcome for you. Um, yeah, so how, how does it, uh, do you want to just tell us a bit about how um, how a boy from Wall's End ends up living in far north Queensland? Um, to be honest, it's all a bit whirlwind. Um, wife was originally from Australia. Um, she wanted to move back. We thought it was a good idea with everything happening back in the UK. And she, she let me pick where we wanted to go. Done me a bit of research. And short story of it is, we swapped the northeast of England for the northeast of Australia. Why not? Um, been here for four, what, four years, August gone, and loving every minute of it. Similar yeah. climate there as well, though, Craig. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, right now it's what? It's 28 degrees, 80% humidity. It's just like being back on the quayside on a winter's day. <laughs> I was going to say, you don't look too sunburned either, so well done. You nice. T- yeah, the, t- the tan's really come out on you in the last couple of months. It's fantastic, to be honest. Um, literally, I live my life by aircon now. Yeah, aircon bills are heating bills non-existent. Uh, we actually um, were at a friend's house the other day, and they had an old-fashioned stove around here. Why in the tropics? Just not needed. Yeah, you not can needed. understand that in in Melbourne, uh, but maybe not in not in Cairns. Uh, it's crazy. It's getting very warm very quick here. Yeah? But I imagine everywhere else is feeling the same right now. Keep your uh, keep your sunscreen on. And keep your hat on. Too right. Too hot otherwise. Um. Right. So what we're going to do is we're going to uh, we're going to review the Brentford game. Um. A lot happened in the game, and um, and it's probably um good luck to us trying to um condense it down to forty five minutes or so. But uh, we'll give it a go and see what we can come up with. Um. So. The Brentford game. So obviously, our our new manager wasn't in the dugout for the game. Um, it, it did feel like things were just going a little bit too well um, over the last few weeks, and there'd been a lot of good news going on. Obviously, we got rid of Steve Bruce, who was the takeover before that, and then a couple of hours before we got the news about Eddie Howe and Lee Charnley went as well. So um, I think pretty much the only thing remaining is the Sports Direct signs, and then we can really finally move on. From the Mike Ashley regime, um, and um, yeah, so Eddie Howe's um, COVID test obviously felt a little bit more like the Newcastle United uh, that we all know and love, where bad things happen pretty much every week. Oh. Um, 
obviously it was uh, it was quite fitting that it was the first positive result of the season as well. Um, not a not a result that we wanted with the uh, the positive COVID test. But um, I think it was a it was a pretty pretty special day. Um, it looked like an amazing atmosphere on the on the telly. Um, Craig, you were one of the three three guys who did the the watch along, um, so that was the first thing that we'd uh, we'd done at the the Tune Under Pod. Uh, we actually got two hundred eighty views um, in total through the whole watch along, so that's a pretty good effort considering we'd only um, set it up and been pushing it for three or four days. So, um, what were your kind of main takeaways from the game, Craig? The team selection, anything about the formation or the setup that you really wanted to pick up on? Biggest thing, and we'll touch on this later on, was Darlow being back and goal. I'll, I think uh, myself, along with everyone, was expecting uh, Dubravka to be back in nets. Um, I think that's the big thing of uh, the starting lineup, the formation. Um, Clark being back in the squad, I didn't anticipate that. He had a bit of a stink out of the last few games, um, but he kind of held his own in this one. He wasn't that bad. Um, and Shelby. It uh, left back. He's not a left back by any stretch. Why Lewis wasn't put in that squad, I don't know. Richie. Well, yeah. Rich, not Shelby. Not Shelby. Sorry. Mate. Yeah. Um, that would have been worrying if Shelby was at left back. Yeah, having uh, Richie. Would have been chasing much. Yeah. Not um, not his ideal position, but you know he, he does his best, and that that's all we can ask for. But unfortunately, it just isn't good enough. Yeah, uh, he needs to be further up the pitch. And when he was put further up the pitch, it actually worked quite well. He got a few crosses in. Um, he was playing well with uh, Alan um, down that uh, left-hand side. But the formation wasn't any different from what we used to. But the style of play, the passage, mm. was a million miles apart from what we've seen so far this season and for the last two years or so. Um, couldn't have asked for more for the lads in terms of what they had done. Um but it was a good overall performance, a very, very good um, foundation to build on. Um, and could we have done more? Absolutely. We missed chances. Luckily, they missed a chance uh, or two, especially with that disallowed goal they had, and rightly so. That could have been a different matter altogether. Um, but yeah, there was times when, again, the fitness stopped at the end of the game. It was just they need to build upon that over the next few weeks or so, build up that stamina. Last 10, 15 minutes, we were just running on gas, running on fumes. I think with and, the um, with the for, with the formation, um, it, it was built as like a three four three, wasn't it? Um, obviously, yeah. obviously, it had Richie and Murphy who um have been playing pretty much in a flat back five for for us lately. Um, but it definitely seemed like they were a bit more advanced, um, and a bit pushed a bit more forward, which uh, left the centre of defence a little bit exposed maybe especially without um, a natural defensive midfielder in there and considering the word being um, playing so much further forward Yeah we mm -hmm. definitely I thought um, the combination of Shelby and Willock I'm not too sure as well as we played going forward defensively I thought it just left us way too exposed I mean Shelby at the best of times isn't known for his tracking back or defensive shape Um Willock seemed a little bit out of sorts on the ball on the weekend. He did a lot of running, but didn't really feel like he got into the game or did that sort of Isaac Hayden style cutting in the middle of the park. Mm. Um, so if you play the three, the more, tra not traditional, but the three flat backs with the two full backs really pushing on, you need to have a, a defensive midfielder cover covering for our centre-halves because our centre-halves are, especially on the counter-attack, um, are not the quickest. Let's be honest. So, especially with the pace on with Tony on uh, Tony on the weekend, um, he was causing us all sorts of problems on the break. So, I think that's something potentially that we could be looking look at is thinking if we want to have Willock in the team, um, him next to Shelby may not be his best position. And at, at this stage, with the squad that we've got, up at least until January, probably not the best for, for the team. I'd say. Mm. I think Ivan Tony just absolutely had. Um, Fabian Cher all game, didn't he? Um, I think Cher was obviously, it was a bit of a surprise he started um, after the international break. Um, he was the only player coming back from the international break who did start. You can see why Eddie Howe wants him in his team. He progresses the ball really well and he's uh, he did a, a couple of good forward runs. He's got a good passing range. 
but yeah, he just couldn't uh, handle Ivan Tony at all. And Tony won everything in the air. He was holding things up, laying things off. His link play was really good. Um, maybe we can buy him, buy him back in a few years uh, when we don't get relegated. Not after he kissed a badge in front of the Gallagher. I don't yeah. think that was. Uh, that's not going to endear him to the, the fans. Yeah. What else? What else, Craig? Then what else did you pick up from the game in in, in general? Who was that one? Who, sorry? To you, Craig. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Was there anything else? Um, Willock, uh, previously mentioned, he wasn't at the races. Um, I don't know if he's carrying a knock or whether just he his head wasn't in the game for whatever reason. Who knows? Um, but it just wasn't the Willock that we've seen previously. I'm not saying um, he should have carried his performance on from last season because that would have been impossible to do so, especially at that age. Um, but he was just one step behind everybody. Uh, he was slow at turning. He was slow getting the ball away. He just wasn't there at all. Um, and he was the weak link of that midfield. Uh, I think if we had that person who was willing to make those diagonal runs from the midfield, see that ball, other than Shelby, we could have caught the Morton a little bit more, but he was just mm. a little bit off the pace. But he learned this will be an experience from him. He's only, what, 21, is he? 22, yeah. something, yeah. 21, 22. So it's all a learning curve for him. And maybe he's formed last season. Maybe that got him a little bit. Maybe he's thinking, I've got to try and perform like that every single week. And it's affecting his confidence. Who knows? Or maybe I just... I don't know whether he's got a bit of Kennedyitis as well, where we had Kennedy on loan for last uh, that season, and he was mm. absolutely brilliant. And then we uh, we didn't yeah. sign him because yep. we were going to sign him at one point for something like thirty million. Um, we got him on loan again, and yeah, he didn't he didn't do it. Yeah, he never recovered from that penalty he missed, I think, against Cardiff. That that mm. yeah it was absolutely terrible. So, and I think he's he was playing, and I think he's actually still contracted with Chelsea, but he's playing. Somewhere and he was in Mexico or somewhere like that, I think. So, yeah. So Willick, obviously, um, he he wasn't going to keep on scoring every game, but he was definitely a weak a weak link in that game. But the problem was Sean Longstaff when he came on wasn't much better. I think the only notable things I can remember him doing was give the ball away twice in bad positions. He's very yeah. He's very sorry, Jack. He's very notorious in turning the worst possible moment in his own half. He just seems to have for whatever reason, poor awareness around him when he has the ball. So when he receives it off the centre-backs, um, I think the opposition realised that as well because as soon as they close to press him, by the time he turns and gets his head up, he's lost the ball. That's where we see when Shelby's not playing, when Shelby's not the one receiving that first pass, he's the one who can actually turn with the ball. Then we really struggle to get the ball out, um, which is probably, again, why we're raising the point about Cher, why he's in the team because Lascelles and Clark are pretty poor on the ball. Um, they need somebody at least to carry it forward in, in case Shelby's, Shelby's marked out of the game. Mm. And yeah. what about Shelby then, Bobby? Shelby, um, we're going we're gonna to talk uh, about Joe Linton a little bit more later yeah. um, because he was notably brilliant um, in that game, especially in the first half. But what about Shelby? Because Eddie, Eddie Howard come out and made some comments about Shelby. Shelby's not the most popular player amongst Newcastle fans. And it's for obvious reasons. I think he's been he's been ill-disciplined. Um, he doesn't he doesn't seem like he's doing a lot of work. And um, I don't think anyone will ever forgive him for that free kick against Brighton when Lewis Dunk was in goal. Yeah. Um, so what did you think about how Shelby did Bobby in this game? Oh, I thought he was superb. I think when the comments came out of what uh, Eddie Howe said about Shelby, it all sort of clicked and made sense. And if we're going to play the brand of football that Eddie Howe wants, we need people that are carrying the ball forward, not scared to put a, a pass in, not scared to get the ball surrounded by the opposition players. Um, and that's, that is Shelby. I mean, he's got a lot of bad traits that he has in his game and we all know about that. And I, I was honestly one of his worst um, critics. Um, I think I put on Twitter a few weeks ago that I'd give him away and I'd fly there and drive him in the car and take him where he needed to go because I was over him, especially after that free kick. But he was superb and he did do a lot more working. I think he ran a lot more. Um, he got back on the defensive end. I remember one bit of play where he was sort of scuffling with two two Brentford players and then picked the pass out to St. Maximum, which led to a, to a counter. And... Um, 
yeah, I couldn't speak highly enough. And if that's the Shelby we're going to get, um, you know, long may it continue. You know, like everyone's got a clean slate now. And if he can perform like that every week, it's good. There was someone who I was talking to who said Eddie Howe's team had, uh, well, I forget the name. He used to play for us. Um, it was Dan Gosling. Dan Gosling. Dan Gosling. Yeah. We shared that role. And I can tell you now, in terms of talent, yeah. Shelby's far and away better than Dan Gosling. So if he's going to play that role, uh, albeit that, that, you know, with us, it's going to be sort of good for us. With the team lineup, I think it identified where we're weak um, more so than anything. I think we're, we're going to have to do what we're going to have to do until January. Um, I was I'm probably more positive than a lot of others on the performance. I think the results from the other games um, made the performance for us seem worse than it was mm. um, because if the results went as they should have, um, we'd have been, you know, that was a good draw, very entertaining. That's what we want to see. But unfortunately, it was happening in the watch-along. You're seeing the results coming through and thinking, what is going on? And we need a win. The, the win was desperate. So, yeah. No, but Shelby, fantastic. Long may it continue. I think Shelby, uh, Shelby's done this before. So we had that spell under Rafa um, just before the World Cup in 2018, and he was absolutely brilliant. Um, Rafa didn't really trust him a lot, uh, you know. Um, he, he he just knew that he couldn't he couldn't be relied on to follow instructions to the letter, which Benitez wanted in his teams. Um, it's maybe it's maybe good. Um, he's he's been more suited to having a little bit more freedom. He definitely wasn't in that kind of really deep quarterback kind of role as well, uh, where he's where he was going into the defense. Um, because yeah, he's he, and Newcastle had more possession as well. So Newcastle had fifty, I think it was fifty-two percent possession in the end. When when's the last time we've done that? Yeah, at one point in the first half we were on fifty-seven percent um, on about thirty-seven minutes. Um, and yeah, so that's obviously going to, that's a massive change. And that's obviously going to be a way that Eddie's, uh, how he's going to set the team up. And Shelby is pretty much the only midfielder we've got who can actually keep the ball and who's capable of um, playing that style of football, I think. Yeah. And I think just on Willock, uh, um, yeah, he wasn't there on, on the weekend. Like he, he was poor, but he's coming back from an ankle as well. Um, so I think it will take time, but I think he's going to get given the chances because, again, there's no one else there till January. Um, and he's one of the, the boys that can get the ball and drive it forward. And I think the thing we noticed is all our attacking players got the ball in much better positions. Our XG rating for the first time I can ever see was 2.18 of expected goals, was the fourth or fifth best for the weekend. Mm. Um Brentford only had 1.1. So if you're looking at the game being 3-all, it was criminal that we lost that game. Um, we should have been out of sight, out of mind. Um, it's just a, a you know a replacement in keeper position um, and an unlucky deflection. And we are yeah. we're talking about a great win. So a lot of positives. I've seen that. I've seen a few comments mm-hmm. saying that it was a it was a really chaotic game, but I don't really quite see that. I think. Um... It, it may have seemed that way, but actually, you know, they didn't have that many chances. It wasn't like it wasn't like um, West Ham games and Leeds games where teams were just walking through the middle of us. Um, and we did. We're going to get onto the to Darlow and the defence, but we conceded three bad goals, at least two really bad goals, probably three bad goals. Um, and on another day, you know, Callum Wilson had that one cleared off the line. You missed yeah. you missed a header just before they scored their um, third goal, I think it was. St. Maximan had a chance that they put just wide. You also had another chance that you put over the bar. So um, you know, we were really we were really um, progressive and positive and I and I don't quite agree that it was it was a really chaotic game. Um there were games like the West Ham game earlier in the season, which really was chaotic. There was like, you know, it was end to end, but they were just running through and could anyone could have done anything that game and they scored three goals in about 15 20 minutes in that game to kill us off yeah. um but there were definite signs that um were that were not going to be that kind of i know that eddie has not not got a great um reputation for defensive uh, defensive football and um, so he's probably a good fit for newcastle in that sense um, and we do have good attacking players um but yeah i think if we can and i don't know 
what what did you think, Craig, um, in terms of Eddie Howe not being there? Do you think that made kind of a big difference? Obviously, Jason Tindall was on the touchline. We were a bit worried that Graham Jones was going to have a little bit too much influence, maybe, and go back to that eight at the back formation we've been playing. Um, but what, yeah, what what did you think? I Eddie, think how not being there actually. Um, I think so to two things. I think uh, how may have gone down a different path. Um, I think he should have injected a bit more pace. He made the the right choice with um, Frazier coming on. His ball for uh, Alan's goal was just incredible. Um, but uh, Longstaff, he didn't do anything that uh, Willock was already doing. If anything, he came on and performed even worse. I think uh, Almiron may have came into that position in a slightly more advanced role and just tried to kill a game off with pace. Um, I think that's something Howe would have done. Um, maybe uh, he tried to go the balance of attack with a Holden midfielder, which Longstaff just didn't. Uh, but we had no other options on the bench, really, apart from um, what there was, Almiron, Fernandez. Uh, Gale was on there. Gale. Gale was on the bench. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the subs, uh, he got right ball one, uh, which was a Longstaff one. I think replacing Shaw was good because he was booked. Um, and Shaw's got a little bit of a temper. He's had a few red cards with us, I think. Yeah. Um, so, and I think we was always going to try and get railed up by the other players. And if we went a man down, I think that would have been big advantage for them. And we probably could have lost that game. But subs are okay. Um, I think how not being there at half time was maybe not necessarily a, a negative effect, but there certainly wasn't a positive effect from it. Um, we did come out strong, but then they uh, balanced that out. We finished the stronger of the two teams, that's for sure. And we certainly had the better chances of the two teams. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what Howe does uh, for Arsenal, if he's back for the Arsenal game, which I don't even know if that's been confirmed yet, if he's allowed on the touchline. I don't think he will be. And I think... And I think... Probably the bigger issue is he's going to have 10 days off the training ground as well. So I think that probably, you know, he's not really going to be able to prepare much for Norwich. I think it's a 10-day isolation period. Yeah, um, I think he's got to get a couple of, similar to what happened to the Spurs, when we played Spurs the other week, when Son and somebody else was about to miss out. But if he had a couple of posit- couple of negative tests, sorry, the day before or two days before, he'd be good to go. So depending on how, how unwell he is... Um, Perhaps is just asymptomatic and he's not not too bad. Um, he may be able to be at the game, but but definitely not being there at training is probably not going to be not ideal for a new coaching regime trying to get their new style implemented as soon as possible. Yeah, we've got oh. uh, we've got a doctor here as well, and um, Bob Doctor Bobby um, diagnosed Eddie Howe just from his uh, Twitter press conference the other day. He said okay. that he, he he looked that well, well, mate. He looked that he looked that <laughs> well, and you know doing these ones and I thought uh. You know, he's either really emotional, which he doesn't usually get, or he's uh, he's sick. Now, I didn't diagnose him with COVID, but it didn't when it came out. I thought, oh yeah, makes sense. Who needs club doctors when you've got um, we've got Bobby in Melbourne. Yeah, Doctor Bobby, Bobby. Yeah. sign me up. Sign me up, yeah. We'll Mike, Mike actually probably would have signed you up actually to save a bit of money. Yeah, no, well, I wouldn't have gone. I don't think. <laughs> I think the I think the um, the new owners can probably afford um, maybe some pretty good doctors. Yeah, yeah I think so. Out of my league, you're off the hook a bit there. I think. Yeah. I was just going to ask quickly about Almiron as well, then. So Dimitri, so Almiron, um, he was on international duty playing for Paraguay. To me, it seems yeah. like um, he's the kind of player that Eddie Howe will like, and that most managers would like. He seems to do what he's told, and he's full of energy. What do you think about his role, Dimitri, potentially? Fitting into the side. Well, I would have said before the weekend, I would have said probably him in the starting eleven over big number seven. But but Big Joe was was that good on the weekend. It might be hard to push out for the Arsenal game. Definitely, definitely, I think Almiron's got a big part to play because the way the way how and his team want 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 to set up is high intensity, um, quick movement, um, pace, and um, Work rate and that's everything. Everything that Almiron is, um, I think I can't remember a game after the international duty that he started. Um, I don't think he has. He's probably played limited minutes every time after the international duty. So this week wasn't the game for him. Um, 
but definitely I, I really feel that his energy, when we've got players such as John Joe or even Joe, if they're not getting around the pitch as they should, um, Miggy's energy up in the top front of the front of the pitch will be very important, um, combining with San Maximan and, and Wilson. So this week might might come a bit too soon because of the way Joe Linton performed, but um, I definitely feel that he's he's got a huge role to play. And I think if they if they switch if he switches to a four at the back as well, I think that frees up yeah. another space. So if it's a whether it's in the number ten behind Wilson, because those um, those front three uh, were really good. Uh, we're going to get onto that in a bit more detail. I think in I think um, on the, the um, thing on the watch along, I made mention. I think at home, especially particularly against the teams that aren't in the top four, I think this three four three high octane. Go Adam is going to be the way anyhow plays. We need points. We need to beat these teams and we'll just go all out attack. Playing Arsenal and Arsenal, there might be a formation change and someone like an Almiron who can, you know, go on the counter and just, you know, get into space, I think um, might come in, you know, sort of thinking there. Yeah. I think overall, you know, there's, there's a lot of positives to take. Um, we're going to talk particularly about the front three in the next part. Um but first, um, unfortunately, we're going to have to talk about Carl Darlow and we're going to have to talk about um, about the defence. So um, that's it for part one um, and join us again soon for part two. And we'll do the bad first and then we'll get on to some positives afterwards. Right, so welcome back um, to part two of the Brentford Review Show. Um so, we, we need to talk about about Carl Darlow and the defence. It was a pretty um, it was a pretty big um, big call to start Darlow. Maybe that was always going to be the the most likely outcome with Dubravka being away in international duty um, and only playing. I think he played one game against Malta for Slovakia. Um, I think there's pretty general consensus that Dubravka is our best goalkeeper, and this and this has happened before with Darlow where. Um, He's kind of been kept in the team in what seems to be an attempt at protecting his feelings or something, because he's clearly not as good as Dubravka. But um, Dimitri, over to you. What uh, what did you think about Darlow and his impact on the defence and just the, the defence in general, as well as the, the goalkeeping situation in the short, medium and long term for Newcastle? Yeah, so um, I was quite, I was quite probably surprised, I'd have to say, that Darlow started the game. I thought... Dubravka's come back from injury now. He's fit. He's ready to go. He's been on the bench for the last couple of games. Darlow hasn't been lighting the world on fire um, in the last month, really all season. Um, I thought it'd be a no-brainer. I mean, the first goal was an absolute shocking mistake. We've just scored. St. James is up and about. The team's um, on the front foot. And to concede a goal virtually from the kickoff, um, a, really a routine save. I'm not, I'm not sure what he's doing with his hands. Um, he's had to. He had to go with his legs. Yeah, he had to go with his legs. Um, the thing with Darlow, he's he's prone to some brain fade, sort of stop thinking moments. So I don't know if you guys remember the the two goals we copped at Wolves a couple of months ago. There was a moment where it was it was a one on one, but he had a chance to come out and close the angle, and he just froze for two or three seconds. He's, he has these moments where he either overthinks it or he confuses himself um, and ends up. And ends up making a mistake. I mean, on his day, he's he's been a decent shot stopper for us, and as a number two goalkeeper, I think he's quite he's quite decent um, to play a game. But he's not he's not a Dubravka, and people forget Dubravka was our player of the year a couple of years ago, and um, he's probably the, the one of the when the first game he played. I think it was the United game, the first game he played when it was man of the match. Yeah, he was brilliant um, in that game. Yeah, and straight away you could see the difference between. I think we had Rob Elliott in goals and, and, and the likes before that, Evan Darlow, and then bringing in Dubravka, who commanded the back four. He, his voice was loud. Um, yeah. Obviously, great shot stopper. In the air, he can be a little bit susceptible, but not nothing nothing terrible that you, you don't play him. Um, and I always remember Rafa used to say about Dubravka, we needed a goalkeeper like him who, who would speak and organise the players around him. And I don't think Darlow does that. Um, especially the way they, our defence... Yeah, they, need this cop, 
Benitez copped a lot of um, grief in some quarters for wanting to sign a goalkeeper. And people yeah. were saying you've got you've got three good goalkeepers. What you're doing? Uh, he tried to sign Willy Caballero, and that fell through. Um, but that was, and I think he might have tried to sign Pepe Reina as Pepe well. Pepe Reina as well. Yep. So he, did. he obviously wanted he obviously wanted a goalkeeper. And um, Dubravka in that first game just absolutely justified that straight off. Carl Darlow is actually 31 years old. Um, is he? Yeah. Really. He's 31. He, He's been with us for a long time, hasn't he? Yeah, he, he, he came time as Lascelles. Lascelles, yeah. yeah, from the Forest, yeah, yep. From Forest, so back in 20, it was, I think it was when Steve McLaren, so it was about 2015. So yeah. over that time, Dallas played about eight, played about 85, 86 games for us. Um, as Dimitri said, good shot stop at times, but I think, what did you think, Dimitri, about his impact on the on the defence? Um What's yeah, it like it, playing in front of a goalkeeper who's in that kind of form? Do you think? Well, that well, that's the thing. The way the way we defend, and obviously, we've we know the issues we've had with Kieran Clark this year. Even Lascelles has has forms dropped completely off, and, and that third centre back has been a revolving door. It's been Kraft, it's been Fernandez, now it's Cher. Um, it doesn't fill you with any confidence when you look behind you and you've got a goalkeeper who's indecisive, who doesn't come out. Obviously doesn't communicate as well as, as Dubravka does. Um, it's a big issue. We don't have, obviously, the best talent in the back line, in the back four, back, four, back three, whatever we play. So you have to make it up with other ways. So organisation is, is a huge part of the defence. doesn't matter what how talented you are. If you can organise a back three or a back four, you could you could make do um, with what you've got. And, I mean, we had the similar players with, with Rafa back two or three or four years ago, and we weren't copying three goals a week. Um, we had probably what one of the, some of the best defenses in the Premier League back then. Probably a top ten, top twelve defense. So for me, it's 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 both. It, they're both just they're both affecting each other. But I feel if if we had Dubravka in goals, I I can't think that we'd be any any worse off than we. Or clearly we wouldn't be any worse off. But I, you'd have to think Lascelles and Clark, especially those two, seem to be the regulars at this stage. Um, They'd have to walk a little bit taller, knowing that Dubravka's behind them, um, especially in the position we're in at the moment, where points are absolutely crucial, especially in the next two months to get to Christmas, the New Year, somewhat within striking distance of safety. Um, you're going to need a goalkeeper who's going to save you a point here and there, or who's going to make a difference in a game. Darlow, for me, is not that goalkeeper. He might be a solid six or seven out of ten, but Dubravka can be an eight or nine out of ten. And consistently, mm. he can he can win single handedly win you games or save games for you. So, for me, it's an absolute no brainer that Dubravka plays, and especially with the fact we can't reinforce the defence until until January. I mean, that's the only move we can really make at the back. Um, that's not in our. That's obviously not not been playing this season um, to see if that shores us up at, at any point. Because I mean, I think the last three home games we've got three in, in all three games. So. You're not going to win many games conceding three yeah. three game. Even though we're attacking all of a sudden now and we're creating loads of chances, you can't expect us to be creating 23, 24 shots of goal a week. Um, and I think the really harmful thing about that first goal was that it was just afterwards scored. Like I think Craig yeah. touched on this earlier. So St James's Park was bouncing. We could tell that from the TV. Um, and it, it maybe just needed that little bit of man- game management to just maybe well keep you keep pushing or you know try and use the momentum but the last thing you want to do is concede a bad goal um and that really was such a bad error you know one of the worst in the league this season and mm-hmm. um, you feel sorry for goalkeepers when they do that um but and um the third goal as well um well it was kind of a deflection so it's not much you can do about that but even even before the deflection i think he came, he hesitated to come out yeah. and clear the lines he if he'd come out when he had to, he could have gathered and we could have mm. reset. He sort of hesitated and then it was a 1v1 and he's pulled off a save, but it led to them getting the ball again near the box and then that deflection went in. So uh, 100% what Dimitri says is is exactly right. He's very hesitant and um, doesn't give us confidence, which then therefore you can say he doesn't give our defenders confidence. So hopefully is back this weekend. Yeah. In the interest of fairness, I should probably point out that Dubravka and Darlow played a good pass to Saint Maximin for our third our third goal, and he 
you got rid of the ball quickly and you're distributing it, it was actually a good pass. Um, and, I, and I think um, long balls or kind of direct passes were a bit of a feature of the game for us. So, But instead of them being kind of like aimless punts forward, um, they were actually they were passes. Um, the defenders did it a few times where they did like a, a lofted pass forward, but it wasn't actually just like a Steve Bruce style punt, hopeful punt towards Dwight Gale's head. It was actually a... A proper pass and I think that was um, borne out in the possession stats as well yeah. um, so I think Craig you probably agree that um, Dubravka's got to come back in he has to He, if anything he'll just raise the confidence in the defenders just knowing that he's behind them hmm. for, for me personally um, what he, he cost 4 million quid something yeah, like that the best signings in recent years yeah. in if I remember rightly as well, he wasn't even the first choice keeper at the club I got him from. That's he how we managed for, him. He was playing in Czech Republic or something, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. And I mean, yeah. what a find. I've never heard of him beforehand, to be honest, but what a find. Yeah. He's, actually, bargain. He's, he's probably in his prime age for a goalkeeper. I think he's 32 mm-hmm. or 33. Um, so it won't actually be that long before we're looking at um, sort of upgrading the goalkeeper position. Freddie Woodman, I think we had hopes for him. Maybe it's a little bit too soon to write him off, but it's hard to see when he's going to get another chance. Um, so I don't know whether we'd, we'd maybe be going for someone like Henderson at Man United um, if the Premier League clubs actually agree to sell players to us, which seems to be something they might not want to do because they're all a little bit jealous. But uh, So yeah, the goalkeeper position will be an interesting one, I think, moving forward. I can just see Carl Darlow um, playing for like Man City, um, like Scott Carson does when he's like fifty-five or something. Just getting <laughs> on the bench every now and then, just to fill, fulfill that homegrown quota, and then maybe getting the odd the odd run out like Carson did against us last season. And um, the he's pretty much an old age pensioner, I think now, isn't he? But yeah. uh, big big clubs seem to like doing that, so maybe we can just keep him. We'll just keep him for twenty years and. Put him on the bench when we win the Champions League in a few years' time. You get his medal. Third choice, wouldn't he? Third choice yeah. would be, you know, in the, the the start of the FA Cup games and the League Cup yeah. games. I think he'd be all right. But um, yeah, look, I had this interesting discussion with a friend of mine about the goalkeeper, and a bit like the time when Rafa wanted a new keeper. I think um, Eddie Howe will want a new keeper soon too. One with a bit yeah. more ball playing um, potential. But whether that comes in January or the new year. Um, yeah, we'll say. Wait and see. Right, so that's the that's the bad stuff out of the way. So let's get on to talking about. Um, well, I haven't really mentioned him yet so far. I think we knew we were going to talk about him, but Joe Linton. Oh my word! Um, he he found his passport. He remembered he's actually Brazilian. <laughs> um, the first half was an absolutely just a brilliant performance. Um, I think uh, I think Craig. Um, what 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 was your View of Joe Linton's performance. We uh, um, have you picked yourself up off the floor out of shock yet, or what did you think about Joe Linton and the the performance of the attacking um, unit as a as a whole team? What did you think? If I hadn't have watched that game and somebody described to me how good Joe Linton was, I wouldn't have believed them. Generally, yeah. something you'd have to watch with your own eyes because we've never even seen a display come anywhere close to that from Joe Linton before. Uh, was genuinely, he was easily the best player on the pitch for one incident, um, which, again, I put down to a lack of fitness. Um, but, yeah, he was easily the best player. That first half, he was unplayable. And that's a word... There's a couple of clips doing the rounds of him kind of doing actual doing skill on the touchline and then getting a pass mm-hmm. away. I think that... Um, oh, he completely... Yeah. He, I was just on the right wing, he completely... Yeah, the incident you referred to there, Craig. I think you just wanted to remind us all that he is still Joe Linton and that he can still fall over when he's clean through on goal. Yeah, um, I mean... but I think we'll have to really, really give him credit for that that performance because, especially in the first half, he was absolutely fantastic. And it, again, mm-hmm. Ed, he's one of the other players that Eddie Howard name checked and bigged up. Um, so maybe that's some good motivation for you there. Um, he knows what he's if doing. What's to come, then bring it on. Definitely. Absolutely. There'll, there'll be some of the Arsenal players will probably be looking at that game and going, hold on. 
is this the same Joe Linton we played against for the last year or so? Because um, one thing Arsenal teams have always suffered from is uh, teams that are physical against them. And that's one thing Joe Linton brings, pace and physicality. There's not many players which have got both in their squad. And you wouldn't want them running towards you. Um, or Brady's probably going to put it into where Rose Ed when it leaves you top maybe foot. But you never know. You could find that top corner one day. But yeah, he's uh, he's very physical. And Arsenal, historically, they've never liked physical teams. And he's definitely a physical player. And it was interesting. He, he started on the right-hand side as well. So it was kind of like there was the three of them. There was um, Jolint and St. Maximan and Wilson. But Joe Linton, I mean, we've been told for the last two years that he's a he's a left winger. We know he's not a number nine, despite Steve Bruce's attempts at playing him there. Um, but he's been kind of playing off the left, which is where I think when he was at Hoffenheim, um, and he somehow persuaded uh, somebody to spend £40 million on him, um, he was a left, kind of a left attacker. But it was interesting, he was on the right-hand side, um, so... And his heat map's pretty impressive. He was up and down, uh, up and down the side for the whole, the whole first half at least. Um, Dimitri, you were going to jump in before. Yeah, I was just going to say, even even when he's been god awful on the ball and looked like he doesn't know how to play football, um, his work rate, especially of late, I don't think can be questioned. He's he's definitely every time he's played this this season, he's he's put a shift in at least. I mean, his quality in the final third has been terrible um but he does seem to get up and down that wing when he's playing on the wing um and like craig said his his physicality is 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 quite is could be critical for us because having someone with that pace and physicality is is very unique I and mean, if you've got saint maximan and miggy armor on buzzing around as well um adding another player like joe linton if he's going to bring that sort of performance with his strength and power on the ball um Gives it gives us another dimension that we haven't had for two years since since we paid that forty million for him. I think mm-hmm. I think every everyone um, accepts he's just not going to be ever going to be a pinnacle striker. It's not it's not what he's what he's good at. Um, it's it, it's just one of the greatest mysteries of all time that Newcastle signed him as a replacement for votes for Rondon, um, and that they expected him to you know score a lot of goals. Um, it, he. He's just not got that in him. He hasn't got the instinct, and um, and the the transfer fee is not his fault remotely. Um, so it, it, all he can do is play play his best. Um, as he said, his work rate's not been not been in question. And um, if we're maybe now it's a fresh start for for Joe Linton, he gets a clean slate. We try and forget about the fact he costs forty million pounds um, and just take him for what he is now. And I think that's what Eddie Howe will be doing. Um, so I think it would be good that sometimes um, on Twitter I've noticed that he's got like a bit of a fan club. So wherever he does something, because he's got because he's got so much um, so much um, negativity towards him. Whenever he does something remotely good, he kind of gets a lot of uh, support. But he actually was good. He actually was good on uh, on Saturday. So fair play to him. Go on, Bobby. I think now I'm putting my hand up as one of his fans on Twitter. I'll back. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a lot of intangibles that we've got to remember that um, he's come to a club that was coached by Steve Bruce. He'd come to, a, he'd come to a team that had no attacking prowess whatsoever and was stuck up front for the first part of the year. And then when um, Wilson came, he was sort of a, a man in no man's land because the manager only saw him playing up front. I'm a big follower of the German league as well. We get a lot of coverage here in Australia of that. And so watching him and, I was astounded by the fee, the transfer fee, don't get me wrong, but I could understand a young, talented player coming into this league because he did show signs. But again, not as a striker. He's that free role where he can do what he wants in the the, the you know the attacking third and cause issues. It opens up a lot of space. So I think Eddie Howe will be licking his lips with Joe Linton because Eddie Howe talks a lot about space and creating space and the intelligence and something that I think Jolliton's underrated for is his intelligence, his game day intelligence. He's been found out like a deer in the headlights when the ball gets to him right in front of goals. Mm. But then his intelligence around everywhere else is first class. Um, so I wasn't as shocked as everyone else was at his performance. 
I just think he's got an actual manager who can coach um, and put him in a place where his skill set will will come to the fore. And there is a player there, not a forty million pound yeah. player. But if we had bought him for sixteen million pound, I don't think he'd cop the grief the poor lads copped mm. um, over the couple of years. And look, I, I'm I'm buzzing for him. I think it's been a long mm-hmm. two years being one of his supporters. Um, but yeah, well, let's hope he uh, can kick on. And it's definitely, I think that's a really good point you've made about Steve Bruce uh, managing him because there's a few players that fall into that category. Um, I think um, Lewis is probably one of them as well. Um, yeah. Never really got but a chance when he did, he wasn't that good. Um, but we, we do have to remember that they've actually been coached by Steve Bruce, um, who is not, not a coach. Um, he's not, you know, the players said that they like seem to like playing for him because he let them have lots of days off, uh, which might be something that I would say about my manager, but maybe not um, when you're uh, supposed to be an elite football, football coach. Um, so, yeah, it will be good to see um, if, Joe Linton can maintain that level of performance um, and if some of the others can can get in and get the improvements as well. Um, I wanted to just talk briefly about, um, we haven't talked about him at all, Alan St. Maximan. Um, he's usually, he's, he's the maverick. He's usually the player that gets a lot of attention. He got, uh, he obviously got a really good goal. He got, kind of got an assist as well when his shot went to, deflected and went to Joe Linton. Could have had a couple of other goals. Um Craig, what did you what did you think about Saint Maximan's performance and his role going forward? Uh, well, I don't know if he got a cluster as an assist for the first goal or uh, Joe Linton's. Uh, sorry, the second goal. Um, probably, not, probably not, but it was his shot. It was a deflected shot, wasn't it? Yeah, that fell out his yeah. path. Um, he was first off. He was quiet, but again, I think that's just purely because um, there was always two, three players around him. I think a few clubs now have worked out that if we just surround him with pretty much everybody on that left-hand side, he's not going to uh, do much with it unless it's just an absolute bit of magic, which he is very capable of doing. Um, but I think he, he's more effective on the counter-attack, and that's where we're seeing it with the third and final goal from him. Um, he got that ball from Darlow, passed it out wide to uh, Fraser. Fraser, that was the best pass I've seen Fraser do for us. Probably the best thing I've ever seen Fraser do. It was a good one. It was a good one too. That was it was basically it was. a big one. I didn't, know um, Fraser, I didn't know Fraser played football to be honest. I hadn't seen him yeah. do anything. I thought, <laughs> yeah. It's the but yeah, I think that uh, counter-attacking role, that's his best. Uh, uh, slow build-up or anything. It's too easy for players to get onto him and crowd him out of the game. Um, but when the game's stretched again, people start getting tired, uh, that sort of thing. That's when he can come into his own. He's just got that extra gear which he can go into when everyone is just running on empty, just running on fumes. And that kind of showed again within the last 15, 20 minutes. He's one of these few players which fitness level is still good. That could be because of his age or he's just a naturally fit person. But with the new training regime, if you're going to get even fitter again, then I can only see him adding more goals later into the game than what he will do earlier on in the game. I think that's where he's going to be most effective within the last quarter of the game because his yeah. team's tired. He just doesn't seem to be like uh, Amaron in that aspect. There was one point where, um, in the first half where uh, Tyndall on the sideline was screaming at uh, um, St. Maximan because he just wasn't put, he wasn't pressing pressing his man. It was right on the touchline. Um, and I just thought that's a little bit of a um, potential sign of things to come. I think he's going to have to really work. He doesn't have to be the best defensively, um, but he's going to have to still put a bit of a shift in in some games, um, track him back. Obviously, that's not what you want players like that doing. Um, but if you're going to be playing in a team where the team is key and it's it's about the team rather than individuals, I think he's just going to have to be careful that he is actually um, doing his fair share of defensive work as well. Um, but... You look at his close control and the way he, he just runs past people. He just kind of dribbles, kicks it forward, and just goes past them. It's good well, that to, last, it, that yeah. that last, that last run where about I think it was the eighty-first or eighty-second minute where Joe completely fell over. Um, I reckon he might have been the talk of the town if that had turned up to a goal because he he went past about three or four players. It was almost Ben Arfares for that goal against Blackburn, um, mm-hmm. not Blackburn Bolton in uh, the Premier League. Yeah. 
Um, he does have the touch of the Ben Arthur's about him, doesn't he? He's yeah, it's got, got that side. Yeah. For me, for me, Ben Arthur seems to seem to have a better a better accuracy on his strikes. Pat Maxman seems to blaze over quite often. I mean, he had that one in the first half where he had got into a brilliant position, completely snatched at it and blazed it over. Um, but he seems like he, he's he's always desperate to to be the man to do it, which is fine. Um, if we can rein that in slightly and and try and work off now Joe Linton in form and, and, and Callum Wilson, I think there's even even a different gear for Sam Maximan to go because you've got to remember he's been playing, like Craig said, he's been playing almost one out most of the time saying, he's the ball, Sam Maximan, it's halfway, go dribble four players and do something. I mean, now Again, with, think, with how... Yeah. All right, keep going. No, go for it. We're talking about the tactics of Steve Bruce, where that he was the man. It was get the ball to Saint Maximum. Hopefully, he does his magic, and we. <laughs> you know, it was I think almost, that's yeah, yeah, and but it suited, and I think he liked that. He enjoyed it because he was the man. I've got a big watch this watch this space with Saint Maximum and how it how it goes in a system based team. Like I love him. I think you know you know we talk about Ben Arfa, him, you know Robert. Ginola, all these the, the French flair players we all fall in love with. But if we're going to be a team of 11 that is all meant to be playing this system, he's a very interesting watch for me um, going forward. The good news is he likes playing against Burnley, so we've got them coming yeah. up um, soon. So yeah. we can we can put pick him in that game, even if we don't pick him in anymore after that. Do you think Joe Linton's performance as the game progressed, took a bit of the pressure off uh, St. Maximan because a lot of the focus then went on to Joe Linton or players trying to get to him, to man Markham, to try and stop him running, that it actually opened up his game a bit more. Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, it needed to happen, you know, a long time ago. When you've got one attacking threat, it's simple for the opposition to go, well, we'll go put two, three person people around his area and mark him out of the game. If you've got two or three attacking threats and someone like yeah. Shelby who can unlock it, well, the, the defence sort of doesn't know where to go and it causes that and gives it a bit more freedom as we saw in the second half. As they tied out um, Brentford, it opened up the space and then he sort of exploited that. Um, so, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, I the more attacking weapons we've got, the better. Yeah, I think um, having good players is always a good thing because um, it, it definitely means that... Uh, which is a pretty novel idea, isn't it? Really, I don't think Mike yes, yeah. ever ever understood that. Um, but yeah, having good attacking players obviously is going to um, pull people away um, and let Saint Maximan um, be free a bit more to do his thing. So, um, right, that was a good uh, good po- positive chat about the attack. There, we haven't really um, talked about Callum Wilson. Probably don't have time. I think it, it wasn't his it wasn't his best game. He still could have had a couple of goals. Um, he looked a little bit rusty, but I'm sure he's gonna. He's going to get better, and especially if he's got those players in form around him. So we're going to have a um, that's the end of part two, and we're going to come back for part three and um, sum things up and get a bit of a, a idea about takeaways for the Arsenal game and beyond. So we'll see you in part three. All right, welcome back, and um, part three of the first two and under podcast that we've done, and um, it's been. A lot of fun so far. We've all, all enjoyed ourselves. Um, I think we've had such a, a game with such a lot to, to talk about. It's been pretty easy to keep going and um, find things to, to talk about. So I just really wanted to ask you, Bobby, um, what are the kind of takeaways for um, for the next few games? Um, I know that you like to think of the games you were talking about, thinking of, of them in blocks, blocks of games. So... This was a, yeah. I think you said it was a four-game block, so we've got three games left of this block. What, what are your main takeaways from that um, Brentford game, and what do you think we can take into Arsenal and beyond? Yeah, so I think reading the comments from a lot of Newcastle fans, a lot of negativity in the fact of not the way we played, but in what it means for our season. Um, I think there's a lot of doom and gloom already. You know, it looks bad at the table when you look at it and being on six points, and even Norwich. Are, have had two wins on the hop, and you think, wow, we're, we're gone. But I, I just want to read something um, quickly, a little bit positive, like I am. Um, at, I'll thank at Sundancer1977. The great Premier League escapes. 
Leicester in 2014-15 was seven points adrift with just nine games left to play. They got out of it. Yeah. The Mackhams, unfortunately, in 2013-14 were seven points adrift with six games left to play. And three of those were Man United, Man City and Chelsea. They still got out of it. 2007 and 8, Fulham won four out of the first 33 games. They went on to win four out of the last five and, and were safe. And we go back Portsmouth in five and six with 10 games left. There were eight points adrift. Wigan with three points adrift with nine games left and then picked up 21 points in nine games, more than anyone else in the Premier League to finish 15th. So we have five points from safety and have 26 games left to play. I am still very confident that after 10 days of what Howe has transformed our team to look like, we will be um, in a better situation come January. And I know the December fixtures look really daunting, um, and they would if we had Steve Bruce in the dugout. We'd almost give up on all of those games. But Eddie Howe's teams like to play against the top six sides. He goes at them. So getting a result against your Leicesters and your Man Uniteds and um, even, you know, sneaky draws here and there against some top teams isn't out of the question. So, look, I'm um, I'm very positive. I think yep, going back to that, yep, I do it in four-game batches. So Brentford was the first. And I thought if we can get seven or eight points out of those four games, we'd, we'd be in touch. I think it would be a good result. Um, so with Arsenal away... Norwich and then Burnley at home. Um, we've got six points or seven points left to go. So I think we can we can do that and then you know look forward to the next four. But yeah, I'm I'm very bullish about where we're gonna be. So what you're saying is let's get to about five games to go, about ten points adrift, and then let's just kick into gear and start winning. That's all I'm happy. I'm happy for a great <laughs> I'm, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll be but I think it'll be more like the uh, the Wigan example there where you go on a run and you sort of oh, look back and go, what were we worried about um, mm. back in November? You know, so I I'd, look, I wouldn't be this, I wasn't this bullish and confident under the old regime. Um, I just thought we were going to lose every game and we went in not wanting to, to lose by a lot. Um, just to see the dramatic improvement. I never thought in 10 days we can totally shift ourselves from, being the way we are, to have 354 passes in a game of football. <laughs> you know, I, that, that's like three games worth for us usually. So um, what he's done in 10 days is phenomenal. It'll just build. And I think he's got better players with us than he ever did at Bourne, Bournemouth. Um, and Bournemouth fans might have a go at me for saying that. But like you're talking about St. Maximin and Joe Linton and Callum Wilson and, um, you know, Shelby. I think... Um, yeah, a lot to look forward to. That's great. I love that, that positivity. It's just brilliant. And that's something that we haven't seen um, at Newcastle for a long time. Um, and I, I actually agree. I don't think looking at the league table um, actually does us any, any favours. I think it was Tyndall that said something along those lines as well. Um, and I like the way they're not talking about January as well because they want to concentrate on improving the players they do have and the things they can affect for the next nine games. I honestly um, so, think that, sorry, I honestly think how sees a squad of players, the majority he can really in, improve and be really top half of the table sort of players. Um and so not talking about January is a smart move, but um yeah, I think I said it before, if the results went the way we expected on that night, the Saturday night or um Sunday morning, wherever you were, if the results went um the way we expected, I think we'd be everyone would be positive about what they saw, but the results were so out of whack. Mm. And thank, thank heavens, Leeds lost. Um, but the results were so out of whack that I think everyone was just on a downward spiral and thought, We're doomed here, we're doomed. But you know, I wasn't too concerned, I don't think. I think that's a perfect and um, positive note to, to sort of finish on, unless um, Craig or um, Dimitri have got anything to add to that. You're not allowed to be negative. Well, I was I was about to jump in to say about the last five games. I wasn't sure if you guys have seen our fixture for the last five games, but uh, yeah, we we may have. Um, if we're five games to go with fifteen points that we have to get, I think we may be in uh, 
a bit of trouble. Let's, I'll leave it at that. I won't. I won't. Um, I won't. <laughs> I remember when Sunderland, when, say who we've when got. Sunderland got out of theirs though. They beat like Chelsea and Man City, I think, didn't they? So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but let, got, I don't think let's hope yeah. it doesn't get, get to that stage. No, hopefully it doesn't get to that. But we've got Liverpool at home, City away, Arsenal home, and then which yeah. one? One could be a relegation decider in the last game. Burnley away at Turf Moor. So <laughs> hopefully we're well and truly. Safe We've got Saint Maximin, so we'll be all right. You can play them all. Well. All that means, Dimitri, is our January and February uh, are quite easy, so we'll be all right. Yeah, that's it. I love oh, it. You've got love such a positive outlook. That's only because it's January or January itself. There is some winnable games there if you take a look. I mean, New Year's Eve, uh, we've got Everton away, bit hit and miss lately. We somehow managed to scrape that two-two draw when Pickford. Didn't realise where the goal line was. Um, in that 2-0 win last year, which was probably uh, apart from Leicester away, was probably the performance of the season, I'd say. Uh, that was um, Graham Jones' first game, I think, when we beat yep. Everton 2-0 with Goodison. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, we've got Everton away, Southampton at home, Watford away, and Leeds at home. So there's definitely some winnable games there. And yeah. there's always one team every year which goes down in free fall after January. There's always one. So who that would be is anyone's guess. But I would say probably the bottom seven um, are the ones that are in real danger. Obviously, we're unfortunately one of them. But I'm with Bobby. I do think we'll steal. Um, it'll be touch and go. It could come down to as little as goal difference. Who knows? But I think it's I a really... Think- key point you've made there as well about not writing games off because under under previous managers and even to be fair under Benitez to an extent mm. you just used to write games off and um, I know that you've looked Bobby and Eddie Howe's um, record against the top, the, the top six clubs and it's generally been quite good so we're, we're at least going to have a go and we're going to take it to them and you know you can't predict what's going to happen so Let's uh, let's keep that let's channel that positivity and keep that going. I think um, I think we can agree there's some real reasons to be excited. Uh, this is this is a good time for us to be starting starting doing this. Uh, it's going to be an exciting time for Newcastle. It's going to be um, touch and go probably this season, um, but I don't think we'd would have it any other way. So um, I think it is Newcastle. So we've got we've probably all got inbuilt defense mechanisms that. Um, think everything's going to be bad and um, because usually it is bad and um, so i'm sorry if we've kind of got anybody's hopes up and um, who's been listening to this or watching a lot uh, watching just abuse me on twitter later on yeah it's bobby's <laughs> fault you can blame blame bobby for it um so i think we'll bring it to an end so um thanks everybody there thanks to three of you for contributing um we've actually got uh later this week we've got the arsenal preview show and I'm going to be having a bit of a chat with uh, Bobby and Dimitri and also Mark, um, who are the Australian Newcastle fans, about how people with sometimes with absolutely no prior connection to Newcastle end up supporting a club that hasn't won anything since 1969, when there's so many other uh, clubs to choose from. So we're going to get, get into that later in the week. Um if you liked what you've seen and heard tonight, then um, please like, comment, and, and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter. We are at TuneUnderPod. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been really, really enjoyable. Uh, we'll see you in a, in a few days' time. Um, the other thing just to, to mention is that we won't be doing a, a watch-along for the Arsenal game because um, it's a good kickoff time in Australia. It's a ten thirty kickoff in Brisbane, and that would be eleven thirty in Victoria for you boys. Yep, that's right. Um, so I think we're all going to the pub, and I know that in Brisbane we're having a, a big meet up. Uh, there's about I think there's about twenty to thirty people said they're going to come. Um, so um, and I know there's meetups in um in probably in Sydney and Melbourne as well. Yeah. Um, Craig, you're going to have to set up the Cairns Newcastle uh, Supporter Club. Um, if you want to go to the pub and watch it, two of uh, them. Um, yeah, there's two of you. Yeah, you can. That's two's enough for a club, isn't it? I think. Right. Great. <laughs> but um, I was going to say um, to go onto the Aussie Mags um, Facebook page as well. Um, they've been they've been good with um, helping promote us, and they promote all of the meetups as well. So um, thanks very much, um, and we'll catch up with you later in the week. Cheers.
Cheers, lads. Thanks, guys.